Hello, this is Mike Harbeth with Revenue Rocket, and welcome to this week's Shoot the Moon podcast. Uh, Revenue Rocket is a premier M&A and growth strategy advisor to IT services companies worldwide. And with me today are my partners, Ryan Barnett and Matt Lackard. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, Mike. We are um, certainly have gotten a lot of questions lately regarding the difference between what is an acquisition and what is a merger. And uh, we wanted to get that on the docket and um, make sure that we cleared up any uh, misconceptions about what it is and what it's not and see if we could provide a little clarity for our audience today. So maybe we'll jump right in and and uh, certainly Ryan and, and Matt, you guys can uh, add your uh, experience and wisdom to the conversation as we go. But you know, what is a merger? You know, a merger is uh, generally and usually a combination of two similarly sized firms sort of into a single entity, um, you know, for the purpose of creating a larger and hopefully more efficient, um, higher value company. I think a lot of our clients are folks that uh, believe that there's a, the multiple on the value of that combined company will be higher. Um, certainly, there's efficiencies and sort of synergies that should be able to be taken, uh, inefficiencies taken out of that combined business. And with as much consolidation and seller's market as is going on, you know, we've certainly participated in some merger facilitation work uh, recently and some that are very interesting. Some of them are not just two firms, they may be three firms or more. Uh, we know of one that was five firms. So, you know, there's certainly some interest and appetite. Typically, these deals, you know, the leadership from the businesses uh, remain uh, with the businesses post-transaction. And it's oftentimes uh, involves a equity swap, right? And sometimes some financing by some of the parties in order to level the equity between the equity swap. Um, very seldom do we have situations where companies are the very same value and they come together and they can just swap equity and each own 50% in the case of a two firm um, merger. Oftentimes the firms that come together in a merger have different levels of value and you have to get comfortable with, you know, what ownership will be had after the fact. Um, so with that, I'll pause and turn it over to uh, Ryan for some of his thoughts on this and, and Matt, so you guys can weigh in and let us know kind of what you guys have been seeing lately. Yeah, sure, Mike. Thanks for setting that up. And, and I'll back up to why we got this question in the first place and why we're discussing this is that uh, oftentimes when a company grows to a certain point, uh, they're looking for their future and their lo- where their pictures of themselves long term. And, and if you think about this in merger, it often is thought about as a, a merger of equals and it's continuing to merge the operations together and move on forward. Uh, I think it's a little bit different than when you think about that in terms of an acquisition in which you've got a controlling party taking over another. At least at the, what, what I'm talking about is actually more of a cultural and strategic uh, observation, perhaps more than a, a technical or otherwise uh, uh, another definition. So it's when we talk about mergers in today's world, uh, Matt, and I love to you've you've run across a couple of these as well. Is why are people 
you know, why would someone want to merge with someone con consider compared to um, being acquired? Sure. Um, you know, let's kind of go back and we talk oftentimes on the podcast about, you know, what's most important in bringing two entities together. And, and that's where you find a, a, a really good cultural fit, a really good strategic fit. And, uh, and then obviously, uh, financial, you know, in the context of, uh, thinking about a merger, you know, maybe that financial fit, you know, the, you know, the two firms have to find a way to come together, but that financial fit isn't as maybe as important. It's really the strategic fit of where you know, two entities by combining and keeping the leadership, you know, both invested and keeping the key components, you know, the key people components of both firms together, uh, they have the opportunity to grow and expand faster, right? You know, maybe uh, one of the firm has a, a, you know, one of the firms has a larger footprint, um, they've got uh, a more expansive market coverage, but the other firm has some superior either products and or services, yet doesn't have that as much of an expansive purpose. Well, I mean, you know, we're thinking in, in somewhat simplistic terms with this, but, you know, it's really what you see oftentimes. Um, and through that combined entity, they're much, you know, stronger. Individually, it would be really hard for the firm with, you know, good market coverage uh, to be able to build up that level of expertise and or that level of pro project uh, product excellence. You know, conversely, you know, it's hand it's hard to expand territory, right? Um, so both firms see that opportunity. The leadership of both firms see that opportunity and they really want to work together. Um, and, 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 and both parties want to stay, you know, highly invested in the long run, right? And so, you know, that's what we see in the conditions where, <clears throat> excuse me, mergers are, um, you know, really applicable. Now, there's gray lines here, right? There's not, it's not a hard and fast black line between what is an acquisition and what is a merger. And I think that's important to keep in mind as well. Yeah. And, and we can even look back and, and just make sure we understand when we use these. Uh, I think when we talk about this industry, uh, we, it's, it's M&A, it's mergers and acquisitions. It's, it's a combined thought. Um, when we look at just even the definition of an acquisition, typically that's a larger company or a larger entity acquiring a smaller one. Uh, and usually they're trying to fill some kind of uh, growth or fill in a gap in a service offering. Uh, there's many structures you can use to, to that, uh, but uh, typically you're going to have a surviving entity that comes out of that. Um, and you uh, look to, to grow that, ent that surviving entity uh, as one. I think uh, when you think about culturally, an acquisition is uh, you could still get a massive amount of growth if your company is being acquired. And Mike, perhaps I'd love to hear your perspective on it when you're approaching a seller and you're uh, on behalf of a buyer, 
Uh, how do you coach an acquisition, uh, perhaps versus a merger? You know, what, what does that does that give to to the to the new foundation and the, and the company and perhaps the customer and employee base? Well, you know, I think in many ways when you think about selling in, if you're selling in uh, or merging, it has a lot to do with you know the desires of leadership and ownership, both short and long term. So when you think about a merger, you're basically saying. I'm going to go into business with you for the longer term benefit of creating value in my business as being part of something larger. When you're selling, and when we use the term selling in or selling out, selling in, meaning the leadership joins the combined entity, um, they are, you are in fact selling your equity to that entity and becoming over time an employee. Right. And the reason I say over time is it might be a situation where you're on some sort of earnout trail and you have an employment contract and, you know, but but you are becoming an employee. You are taking risk off the table in a merger. You're really not doing that. You're you're still have your risk profile. Now, you could argue whether it's more risk or less risk. You could say in general, it's less risk because now you're part of a much bigger entity that should have more uh, viability long-term um, and, you know, should have more uh, wherewithal to expand and do kind of interesting things. Uh, but that's not a foregone conclusion, um, you know, and, and I would say that because, you know, partnerships are hard, right? And if you've been running your own business and now you're contemplating a partnership or you're merging with someone else, you've got to manage that business and that partnership uh, very carefully if you're going to be successful long term. And so I think, you know, understanding the difference between being acquired and your role, particularly if you're selling in, it's easier if you're selling out because ultimately you're going to sell your business, you're going to go through an orderly transition, and then you're done. You're going to move on to something else. But if you're selling in, um, you know, the lines are a little blurrier. But understanding the distinction between being acquired and having the value of your equity paid out to you either now or later or a combination of both is different than becoming a partner in a bigger company and working together for the foreseeable future to come to some level of different outcome later. Hey, Mike, don't you think that once firms, yeah, as, as, as Ryan talked about, you know, a merger is, um, typically, you know, closer to equal size firms or equal value firms, you know, in that line. But don't you think that once firms become a certain size, right, that it's really hard to merge, right? It's, it's, it's almost always more of an acquisition that occurs. Well, I don't know about that. You know, I might take a little bit of an exception. I think, you know, it does get to be more challenging. Um, but, you know, we see mergers happen in, you know, all kinds of industries and companies. Um, even large, very material mergers, multi-billion dollar mergers occur. They're very hard to do, to your point, Matt. They're very challenging. The bigger the businesses are, the more challenging they become. Because the relative value of the equity and the equity exchange is always an issue in a merger. 
and how it either gets leveled out or um, modeled um, or not is a big point of negotiation. So let me use an example. So if you're um, you're a, let's say you're a $10 million firm and you're going to merge with a $5 million firm. So there's a relative relationship of, you know, kind of two to one or a third, a third, a third. You own two thirds, the other party owns a third. And when you come together, that's kind of how the merger is going to be, right? You're going to own two thirds and the other guy's going to own one third of the combined entity. Um, they have to be comfortable with going from being a hundred percent owner to a third, one third owner in a much bigger company. And those aren't easy conversations to have. And so, you know, to your point, it may get more challenging to get to bigger firms. Not, not entirely impossible though. We've certainly facilitated those types of conversations. It's just everyone has to come to the table with a very open mind about what they're coming uh, into and has to have alignment ideally in what their, their, their exit plan is together and that confidence that they're better together than apart. Um, because ultimately, if you don't have clear guidance and visibility to where you're going together and you have confidence in each other and that you're better together than apart, it's not going to be a merger that will be successful. You know, there's a, the other thing to consider here is um, when, when you think about a merger or an acquisition, oftentimes an acquisition has an assumption that the acquiring company is moving forward with uh, with the service offerings and and the brand and the customer, or it can be the other way. You can actually those are other things that you can acquire. You can be a smaller entity with perhaps a lot of funding to go uh, acquire someone that has things like brand or brand awareness. Uh, so it's uh, if you as a seller are thinking about uh, where your future lies, uh, you know, I think the question that Mike posed, are you selling in or selling out, really determines is this uh, something that a merger and acquisition, something you, that's really right for, for your path. Um, if you think to Mike how deals get done and when it comes to the third leg of our stool uh, in financial impact, uh, is there any difference between uh, mergers and acquisition when it comes to deal structure? Well, certainly uh, it, there is. Um, you know, when someone acquires a business, you can either acquire the assets of that business or the stock of that business. Um, and, you know, there's benefits. There's benefits to the buyers and sellers, different benefits to buyers and sellers. And we've done a couple podcast episodes about that in the past. Um, so I would, you know, recommend you tune into those and you can learn more about it. In a, in a merger, you have to swap stock. It's, it's really, you know, the bottom line is you are swapping equity and the value of that equity. And you have to have clear alignment on the method to value the equity and how that's going to get swapped and how it's going to get valued or leveled up, like I talked about before. Oftentimes in a merger, uh, and let me use this example that I used before, you know, you have a company that's, you know, two thirds of the ultimately the combined entity of value, a $10 million company and a $5 million company is one uh, third. That's not always how it goes because the value levers in any of the kinds of companies and IT services are based on profitability. 
So as an example, you might have a $10 million company that's doing 5% EBITDA, and you may have a $5 million company that has 10% EBITDA. And based on that simple analogy, they're worth the same amount of money. So they would be, the equity would be equally swapped to come together and you would be equal partners in that business. So seldom in a stock swap is there an ease of putting these companies together um, because their relative values and profitability and the value of the merger and all that stuff are different. And so if there's a difference, oftentimes if someone's a sole owner of a business that's coming into a merger, they want to level up if they're, have less equity than their newfound partner in the merger, which means they have to buy equity from the other party in order to level that up. So, you know, I'm probably addressing a a bunch of different topics here, but the point being, you know, in a merger, it's always a stock swap. In an acquisition, they could buy assets and or the stock. You know, in addition to that, I mean, if we want to get – you know, into some sort of legalese. And this is actually, I think it's helpful when you say in assessing whether it's an, a merger or an acquisition. In a merger, um, almost all the time, a new corporate entity, new legal corporate entity will be formed, right? And the other, two, you know, the, the two past entities will uh, either be dissolved or, you know, turn into something else, right? And so, you know, I think that's uh, uh, one way to, to think about it is in this swapping of stock, uh, that will be used to determine, you know, the ownership percentages within the new entity, but there is going to be a new, you know, legal entity. Right. And and uh, could be under one of the existing names or a combined name or, you know, it could be an even an opportunity for a rebranding right in in the go to market. So but there there most often is going to be a new legal entity. Yep, absolutely right. Um, Mike, just to, to wrap this one up, is there you know, how can an advisor help with this one? Uh, I mean, it's complicated to get any kind of deal done, but uh, is there what advice uh, would Revenue Rocket or, or any kind of M&A uh, type advisor uh, give to someone who's who's debating a, a merger uh, or an acquisition? Well, you know, these are going to be almost impossible to manage on your own. And the reason I would say that is because um, you need a a qualified, impartial third party to value the businesses in a similar way with the experience in valuation in particular to be able to show the relative value of each firm and to be able to come together uh, and make a recommendation for how the, the mashup of that equity will occur to achieve all the objectives of the new ownership or leadership of the business, which, you know, considering it's a new entity, if you will, consists of leaders and owners of the previous firms that are in this mix. And so that um, that skill um, is not just does doesn't just reside in a financial analysis. It 
it resides in someone who has strategic chops to be able to bring the value to, you know, even discussing very impartially whether this merger even makes sense, right, is even something that should be done. Someone who can look at the roles of the leadership and the new entity in an objective way and someone who can, um, you know, give consideration to the longer-term strategy together versus the prospects for success apart and be able to render an opinion on whether this strategically makes sense from a capital perspective, how does it come together, and from a roles and responsibilities and comp perspective, does it come together? Because, you know, the one thing we haven't mentioned is how people and executives in these firms and owners in IT services firms pay themselves varies radically depending on their their own values and how they consider the business and how they run the business. We often talk about, you know, is it a lifestyle business or not a lifestyle business, you know, et cetera. I, you know, I believe all small businesses to some extent are lifestyle businesses because if you didn't want that lifestyle, you wouldn't be a small business owner. Um, you would essentially be working probably for someone else. Um, but, you know, given that, you know, how much comp gets taken out of the business and how it's paid. And I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of topics that need to be addressed so that everyone can get in alignment with what it's going to be as part of a much bigger company. And so without an advisor in the mix, uh, it's very, very challenging to address all the issues that come to be. Uh, because in the negotiation as a interested party, um, it's hard to separate yourself from that to do the right thing or to do what is fair. And I think you need to have an objective third party outside advisor who's done these deals before to render an opinion about how to put it together. It's not that different in the context of an acquisition too. I mean, we, we do know and, and the data tells us that, that even most acquisitions don't get done, uh, unless there's a qualified advisor in the mix, right? And, uh, you know, more and more, uh, you see the need for specialization, you know, from an advisor and, uh, you know, I think that's why why we stay true to our guns in the IT services, tech services, and SaaS space because, you know, we know it well, and and that only helps in bringing these firms together. And and obviously within a, a merger scenario, as we talked about, making sure there's that cultural fit uh, is pretty key. But you know, Mike, to your point, you know that valuation. And how you create the new entity is never going to get done without an advisor in the mix. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the statistics, I think we've talked about this in other podcasts. There's only a 1% chance statistically across all M&A transactions that you will actually get a deal done without an advisor in the middle of it. Very, very low probability. And, and the reason that is, and I would say it's probably lower in a merger scenario, because there's much more complex issues that need to be resolved. Everything from, you know, your role post-transaction to employment, to comp, to, to relative equity value, to distributions of profitability. Um, 
and you know it just it just is one of those things that you've got to be able to have uh and I don't want to say voice of reason because it's just it's not that it's just an objective voice in the middle of it who's knowledgeable about how these things come together to share the wisdom of the ages to really make it happen and you know having been the founding partner here at Revenue Rocket I saw a long time ago in using outside advisors and running my own businesses in IT services that most of the advisors that were generalist struggled to have a deep level of expertise in our business that would allow them to advise these owners properly and how they would do a merger or an acquisition because they'd never walked a mile in their shoes. And that's the, was one of the founding principles of the business. And frankly, why I think we, we are pretty unique in the space and we bring that experience to bear every day. Great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Mike. That's all the questions I've got today. Mike, I'll turn it back to you. Sounds great. And with that, guys, I appreciate your input and thoughts about mergers versus acquisitions. Uh, we will uh, now tie a ribbon on it. Please tune in next week uh, when we're going to be talking about uh, M&A deal structures. Thanks and make it a great day.